0: launch scale and ultimately exit successful group practices in short we create clarity confidence and results Well, welcome everybody to season three episode 25 managing your call center and creating successful outcomes we had scott benetti on last week he is one of our key presenters at the building your enterprise platform conference in may that'll be upcoming and he has a wealth of experience building call centers all around the world uh, to the tune of as many as 30 to 40,000 people. I think he's got a lot to share. And judging from some of the reaction of the audience, y'all are eating this up. We decided to bring Scott back behind the microphone again today with me to talk about what it's like to actually manage or administer one of these call centers. What's involved in it, how do you think through that what are what are the metrics of success and how can you ensure that you're going to create successful outcomes along the way scott's going to share his wit and wisdom once again with us so brew another cup of that wonderful meal of coffee get your pad and pen ready the group Practice accelerator podcast is on the air Well, welcome, everybody, once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports, and as I teased in the introduction, I'm joined behind the microphone today by Mr. Scott Bonetti, a voice you should all be familiar with, and for those who are going to join us at the Building Your Enterprise Platform conference in May, get to meet Scott in person and spend a lot of time with him. Scott, thanks so much for joining me again on the show. It's good to have you back.
1: Absolutely parents good to be here looking forward to chatting today.
0: Yeah, this is uh this is going to be another good episode um that we get to uh explore together and this is subject matter I'll say that is somewhat new to me. I mean having worked in some enterprise level businesses myself I'm familiar with the concepts behind call center and and uh, to a degree some of the functionality and the execution of it but not like you have and I would say that um, for our, those in our audience um their you know experience at this type of um, uh, endeavor is usually only from a consumer but for those who are going to be building group practices this is something that can create dramatic efficiencies and unbelievable financial outcomes for them if done correctly so let's talk uh, today about you know how you manage one of these animals and if you do um, what are successful outcomes do you want to take it from the top maybe on just a broad brush overview on on those two um big pieces then we'll dive into some individual stuff
1: yes yes absolutely Perrin. um the you know call center especially if you're not familiar with it could just sound you know cumbersome you know difficult to manage um uh, you know maybe you, tried to you know, do one on your own at some point and, and and found it difficult. But, you know, it really starts with technology. And, and you know, I talked about in the last episode how technology has changed so much in the last 10, even five years uh, with call centers. It makes it so simple to manage because before 10, 15 years ago, you really had to have a, a large call center, you know, a few hundred people uh, to really afford to get the technology, you know, to manage it properly. Not anymore, you know. The technology is 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 you know extremely cheap. It's it's um, you know out there. It's it's a it's available, and you know, in May we'll talk talk a lot more, you know, about that uh, uh, technology. But it it enables you to really see, I mean, every single thing that the call center agent does is 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 measured and 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 documented, right? So it it helps you look at the look at the KPIs, how how efficient are they handling calls? What's our um you know abandon rate? How how are we banding calls? How um you know what percent of the time is the the agent spend you know spending talking? You know, how effective are their conversations when they're converting you know, new, new patients, when an emergency call comes in, how are they handling, you know, how are they handling those types of, of, of calls? You know, are they, you know, treating them with the urgency we need getting them to the right place? You know, how, how is, 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 you know, how are those being handled?
0: Yeah, this is uh this is great because I feel like it's a, a very scalable solution that's technology driven. Now the, the, interesting juxtaposition of this is that uh, many of our target clients uh, let's just call a mid-career dentist whatever mid-career means uh, all of them are uh, they they love data and analytics um they're they're data hounds they love kpis and performance metrics and a lot of them are have a have a high high degree of interest at least in technology. Some of that's clinical technology, um, but a, a lot of it is you know, um, IT and IS considerations. And this is a, a, a scalable solution that's modular uh, and one that can grow with the organization as big as they want it to be. And I think that's a, a really um, neat facet of of some of the application that these call centers and the phone systems and, and infrastructure really affords us at a reasonable price point, you know, to your point, you don't need to be a, uh, a multi-billion dollar conglomerate to to cost justify any of this. You can be a truly small business and really grow into it. So, you know, as we're thinking about managing the call center itself uh, and then ultimately creating some of the successful outcomes, you know, what, what's some of the thought process around, you know, the economies of scale for lack of a better term, you got cost structures, you got um, the people in it and everything, but how do we think through um, uh, creating economies of scale for growth on this?
1: Yeah, gr- great question. When, you know, you're looking, say we have a a practice of, uh, you know, six, six, eight locations, you know, we've got one or two people at each location, you know, ha- handling calls. Uh, you know, the first thing, first thing I'm going to do is. Is dive into your uh, your call flow. So how many how many calls do we have coming in? What's the length of of, of those calls? What are we trying to achieve as far as your know, service level? Service levels means you know when someone calls, how many times does it ring before we we answer it up? Is that you know one ring? Is that three rings, five rings? You know what what do we uh, you know how do we want to you know, set it up, and then you know we I create a we could create a staffing plan, you know, based upon you know that data. So you know that's going to result in you know key savings of of staff. I mean, you're you're talking you know easily you know 30 plus percent savings and staff just by you know bringing everyone you know together. You know, it doesn't have to be one location as we talked in the last episode, but you know under one one sort of uh you know call center umbrella um you know to save uh to, to save the head count to answer those calls and not only that but you know you're you're going to be able to answer them quicker faster um, they're going to be better cuz you're not going to have a patient standing in front of you while you're trying to convince a new patient to sign up with us instead of go somewhere else um you're not going to interrupt you know that that experience so um it's it's just a, a better experience and you know we're we're going to see some you know uh cost savings by reducing heads as well
0: yeah i you know this is when people ask me and just for example we mm-hmm. talk about you know uh average ebitda margins for um high performing traditional group practice, general dentistry group practices. And you hear us say, well, on the high or on the low end, it's the high teens uh, to mid 20s in terms of an EBITDA margin. And, you know, for um, high performing uh, specialty groups, it's probably four to five points higher on the margin line. And, you know, we we struggle so much uh, with people building group practices uh, to get from 18 to 20% EBITDA margin, (laughs) you know, just to take a couple of points of cost structure out of the business and get that operating leverage and that lift uh, in terms of profitability. And you would think that moving from 18% to 20% um, that we'd landed a man on the moon. I mean, it's the most successful uh, endeavor ever. And then you start looking at some of the enterprise level groups that are, five to 10 points higher on, on EBITDA margins consolidated and you start looking at, well, how the heck did they do that? And then you peel back the layers of the onion on some of these uh, on the wages line uh, that is typically lowered through call center functionality and everybody in the audience, the number one uh, expense line item on their PL is wages. And, When you have clinical wages, you don't necessarily want to cut those because that cuts productivity, obviously, cuts collections. Um, But when you have administrative wages and certainly when you have some bloat in that, that is an easier area to start taking cost out of the business, maybe by not replacing people who retire or resign or are fired uh, or if you do decide to replace them, possibly at a lower price point and a cross-trained functionality. And that really starts to create massive impact on the bottom line faster than arguably anything else you'll do so this is the the cornerstone of a bigger strategy as it relates to driving more profitability more ebitda ultimately more valuation of the business moving forward so um thinking of this not just as a a quick fix solution but truly from an economy of scale standpoint is uh is critically important now you mentioned um a better experience scott patient experience right i mean that that your call magically finds the right operator who can deal with your question most readily most effectively and keep you, get you on your way right i mean this this cuts both ways it's it's often a better employee experience and a better patient experience do you want to kind of take those two sides of the same coin for us here
1: yes um yeah the the experience you know and I'll talk from my own personal experience, right? You 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 walk in to you know check in for your 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 cleaning and uh also it's like okay wait please and and they're answering a call, you know Take, take it a while to do you know, whatever and it's necessary, right? Um, but, um, you know, as far as a, a a patient coming in, not hearing, you know, phones ringing off the hook as you go through, not seeing people distracted with that. So that's one one part of it. The, you know, we'll call it the in-office you know patient experience is, is improved. But also, you know, when they call in, because when you call in, you have someone who's, who's dedicated to, you know, servicing you. They're not going to ask you to hold please You know why they handle something else. Um, Also, um, you know they're usually you know have better knowledge about what they're doing because they handle all they. The only thing they do is handle these calls incoming. So you know, particularly you know, a new patient. You know, we can really you know cater to them. um, You know, even as I as I said in the last podcast routing calls specifically to individuals we know who can convert and handle these new patient calls uh in in the absolute best way possible is is going to you know help with 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 their experience um and then you know calling to make an appointment uh, it's funny i just called called my doctor. I've been, you know, traveling all over the world recently and uh, um, I'm trying to get into my doctor. So so I called and, you know, they have a period between 12 and 1 where, you know, they they don't uh, take calls. It goes to an emergency answering service, you know, so you can't leave a message, anything. You know, whereas a, a call center, we can, you know, stagger breaks and things like that to where there's someone always, you know, answering the call. So, you know, now I've got to try to find time to call them back before they close. (laughs) Um, So, you know, it's it's that that creates uh, uh, sometimes a difficult experience. And then the team member, you know, um, the team member, you know, they they want nothing more than to help our patients when they come in the office and be completely focused on on them. So so it really helps them do it. And then a lot of times what we do is we take team members who maybe their skill set, maybe their desire, maybe what they you know, like is not you know, they do not like answering calls, you know, and we kind of force them into that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, whereas a call center, that's what you're hiring. You're hiring to that profile to where you know that's that's what they do. And there are a lot of people that you know prefer to you know answer a call versus talk in person, you know, even though. I'm a call center person. I, I'm I you know much more like the 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 in-person you know type of uh you know interactions and you know we can we can um you know have that with certain people and then then have your people that, that are dedicated, your team members who are dedicated to the phones. It just creates a much better, you know, environment within the office uh, you know, for the patients and, and the team members in my experience.
0: Yeah. So I, I think you know, when we're when we're small business owners. Um, I don't mean uh small business in any derogatory way here, but I just you know, a, a, a small business owner needs employees who are um, uh, a Swiss army knife, right? I mean, they're they're you know, the jack of all trades, you can. You know, you can put them in any scenario. They can deal with patients standing in front of them. They can deal with, it, you know, insurance related AR, or patient confirmations, like whatever else they can do all of it. Um, arguably, maybe not excel in any of it, but at least they can cover all the bases and that might minimize some of the level of headcount that you have to, um, uh, that you have to hire uh, just to keep the boat afloat. That's not ideal in a larger scale business. And to your point, different people are, are, we all have our strengths and weaknesses. We all have the type of roles we like to do uh, and those we don't like to do uh, and those that we're good at and obviously those that we're not. And as you start to to build this type of functionality in your business, I think it's really um, a revolutionary way of thinking about, hiring specialists to, to meet the, the function of the role that you're trying to fill. And that's a different way of hiring than probably the way we've built successful businesses up to this point, because we had to have somebody who was a Swiss army knife or, you know, a chameleon, or who could just do a little bit of everything, but arguably was, you know, a a jack of all trades, a master of none, as they say. Right. But once you start to specialize, then you get greater levels of performance and efficiency. And in the, the uh, you know, ultimately, the, the value and valuation of the business reflects that. Um, Scott, before we wrap up today's episode, I mean, let's uh, any sort of concluding thoughts on those successful outcomes or management of the call center I- itself and the, the way we're thinking about that even leading up to uh, the May event?
1: Yes, um, you know I've I've touched on this a lot, you know, and I I just want to you reiterate it again the the new patient conversion rates. I just think that gets you know so overlooked on, and I think we just assume that hey we do a good job at at, at that right. Um, but with a call center, it really helps you you know specialize and then measure. You know we can really measure that. We don't have to go and feel like, I, I feel like we're doing a good job with it, or it seems like, or people tell me we're doing a good job with it. Uh, you could see it in the, in the, in the data. Right. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of techniques, you know, uh, with, with training, with call routing, everything that that's, that's, that's going to, you know, help us, uh, you know, dramatically improve that and, and get started off on, on the right foot. Right. Um, so, you know, I just used can't, can't, uh, um, you know, sort of uh, discount that at all. Uh, And then, you know, with managing a call center, it's all about, you know, data and and analytics. And, you know, the systems that uh, exist now, um, you know, really can help you paint a, a very good picture of where you're your trouble areas are where your problems are, and whether that's with you know call routing, with with staffing, you know. And sometimes, you know, uh, uh, you know, if we're all humans, so sometimes, you know, we we have uh, individuals who who might not be you know doing their part, uh, and and sometimes in certain environments, it's it's hard to tell that. But the great thing about a call center is it's it's right there in the data, and and you know you can be we can walk you through that very easily. On you know how to read the data, how to put the data together. You know I've been looking at call center data for decades, and I'm very particular about my data and how it's uh, presented, how it's viewed. And you know there's a lot of great you know interfaces now to to to, to view the data. Um, uh, so you know those are those are two I think you know key points to sort of end on and 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 to think about and managing your center successfully.
0: This is great. It really is. Uh, you know, I, I know that for those who are around the four to five to six location mark, um, a lot of them kind of stall. And, and one of the reasons they stall, um, it could be because they no longer have access to bank funds. That would be one thing, certainly. But a lot of them stall intentionally because they don't want to take this step. They, they don't know what they don't know. I mean, the, the concept, the thought of putting together a call center without some level of guidance is, I mean, it's a daunting proposition, you know, and this is just, it's not my area of expertise. I mean, I, I'm not immune to it either. If somebody said, hey, Perrin, we want we want to hire you to build our, our call center and manage it. You know, I, I'm not your guy for that. <laughs> so I, I don't blame them for being a little bit out of their comfort zone and saying, well, you know, if I'm going to, I'm going to build a business and go from five locations to 10 to 20, I don't want to do it in individual locations, but I don't know truly how to centralize this type of functionality. And the fact that you're going to be, um, sharing guidance around that, what it looks like, how to phase it in and, and do it in a, arguably an economical way through a reasonable investment is, is going to be super cool. And I think this gives a lot of our audience, um, Maybe a different way to look at the next phase of growth, that net next inflection point that they go through in their business. And this will be a an instrumental piece to that um, next round of success. Scott, I can't thank you enough for your time and, and joining us again today. Our our audience is truly better for it. And I, I can't wait to see what you're going to share in uh, at the Building Your Enterprise Platform conference in May. Thanks for being on with me today, my man.
1: Uh, thanks, Parents. Great time as always
0: you bet you bet i didn't give you a lot of choice you know so i'm glad that we were able to to work this out at at one point when you're back in the united states and it's literally not like four o'clock in the morning for you right now when we're recording this so all good y'all uh stick around i'll be back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show once again thanks so much for scott to scott benetti for joining me on the show today he is a a tour de force and uh, really has done so much at enterprise levels that it's cool for us to be able to work with him uh, in a much more micro market, but one that we can make a a tremendous impact in our our core clients. And I appreciate his guidance, insight, and certainly his expertise uh, in doing so. Before we wrap up today's show, I wanted to um, share uh, something as I kind of rolled out of Q1 and into Q3 that I've Uh, I I hope will be um, I don't know educational or enlightening to a degree for for many of you Um, I as many of you know I have been part of um, a coaching program called strategic coach uh, out of Chicago Um, that's Dan Sullivan's group Uh, Dan's been coaching entrepreneurs uh, for uh, 30 or 40 years something like that a a long time Uh, and many of you are aware of uh, of strategic coach either through this podcast or just through your own a lot of you know of the um, entrepreneurial operating system EOS uh, and Gino Wickman who pioneered that system and wrote the book traction and all was a, uh, a coaching client of Dan Sullivan's and strategic coach for the longest time before he developed EOS kind of an interesting wrinkle there that you may not be aware of um, Dan uh, and a I guess technically a co-author named Benjamin Hardy h-a-r-d-y uh, have written a handful of books together uh, and one of them that is going to be releasing in the coming months, maybe around the time of, of uh, when this episode drops or you could get it on pre-order, is a book called The, the Gap and the Gain. Um, the Gap and the Gain is a, a, a principle, a concept that Dan pioneered through Strategic Coach and the book uh, called The Gap and the Gain really expounds upon that concept. It's incredibly well written. Uh, and it's very insightful and very introspective. Entrepreneur, High-powered entrepreneurs, all of us who are motivated and driven, uh, tend to uh, set ambitious goals for ourselves. And that is part of what helps us lead the charge in the businesses that we're building. Um, but all too often, we measure ourselves against that ideal outcome. And when we come up short, it's, it, it tends to reinforce Uh, a negative outlook uh, through failure. And that's not healthy, especially for the um, longevity of the business or the person leading it. Um, The gain is more the context of, uh, even if you come up short against a goal, looking back to where you started from to see the journey up to this point and and just how far you've come. And, And we all make tremendous gains if we allow ourselves the opportunity to reflect upon that um, I, I finished this book a, a couple of months ago in the, in the first quarter and every quarter um, I go through a little mini planning session for myself um, and I roll out of a 190-day journal and into another I use something called uh, a self journal SELF self journal you can find them at um, I think the website is called bestself.com or if you look up, if you Google search best self or self journal, you'll find it. Um, But it's a great 90 day planner. Um, It's all about goal achievement. It's about daily objectives and targets and all kinds of good stuff. It's probably the best hardback journal uh, and day planner I've ever had. And I really like writing things down by hand, not just relying on computers. And the reason um, I say this is because the first quarter was really hard on me. I traveled a lot, I went to a number of industry conferences, I was out and away from my family for a good number of Saturdays. I don't sleep well when I'm on the road and so when I I have four out of five weeks of travel that lack of sleep becomes cumulative and you know frankly there was a point there in Q1 where I started burning out Uh, and I just finished reading the gap and the gain and it made me kind of refocus on the gains that I had made over about the last decade but also in the last year or so in, in the development of Polaris. I started writing more in the journal, making notes of uh, of the successes that I had each day, a couple of easy wins, maybe not every day, but every couple of days. Uh, and, you know, was, was pretty disciplined in that. Um, not just gratitude, but actual wins in the business and successes that, that I had achieved. And when I rolled out of that um, journal at the end of Q1, uh, a couple of weeks ago and, and you know, started put inputting the, the new journal for Q2. I went back through Q1 and kind of read a lot of those entries and I just started logging some of the successes that I had had personally and we had had as a business. And honestly, I had forgotten about or overlooked most of them. If I hadn't written them down, it would have taken a little bit more soul searching to remember you know the achievement that we had that we had achieved and that I had achieved personally, and itemizing those wins was probably one of the best experiences I've done for myself of getting my head right uh, and getting my mind back where it should be. Um, and for that, I'm I'm grateful that I did it, grateful that I took the time, and I'm really grateful that I reflected upon it. A lot of you are, you know. Success-oriented, high achievers, driven individuals, and kudos to you for that. If you're measuring yourself against an ideal and you're always coming up short, you're only going to be able to overcome negativity for so long. I would tell you to celebrate the wins and write them down. uh, And then every 90 days, reflect back on what you've written down. And give yourself a moment to um, reflect on that and to be proud of it. A lot of you create things and successes that you don't give yourself enough credit for. I'm the poster child for that as well. And I would say that this was a very healthy exercise and probably one of the best things I've done for myself in a long time. So I hope that gives you a little bit of insight uh, and maybe a different wrinkle in terms of how you're looking at your own journey, Um, but if you got questions about any of this or anything else as it relates to building a group practice, uh, you can always reach me via email at perrin at com or book a call with me on our website. And I hope you'll consider joining me and the rest of the team in Florida, May 10th through 12th for building your enterprise platform. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.